Hello, I'm Phil Farrow, Chief Meteorologist at WSBN-TV in South Florida, and this is Weather or Not. It's been days since major Category 4 Hurricane Ian slammed into Florida's southwest coast. Fatalities stand just under 100 as of this interview, with many years ahead of reconstruction. We wish our neighbors to the west much luck in getting their homes and lives back together. But there is another impact that may be just as devastating. A particularly devastating storm or a series of smaller storms throughout the year could exhaust these reserves, leaving citizens without enough money to pay all the claims. Meteorologist Brent Cameron takes a look at what happens now to not just the storm survivors, but every policyholder in the state. That's coming up next on Weather or Not. The best app from the best weather team is right here. Seven's Hurricane Tracker app. Get the latest forecast models. My Seven weather blog. And of course, Seven's cone on your phone. It's yours free from the storm station, Seven News. Ian could end up being one of the most costliest storms to impact Florida. The cost of paying out all the claims may impact the entire state. Here's Brent Cameron. What a blow to Florida. Hurricane Ian struck the southwest coast on September the 28th, just shy of Category 5 strength, winds of 150 miles per hour. And now it's going to take weeks, months, even years to pick up the pieces. Today we're going to ask Adam, that's a great name for a segment, Adam Spiegel, operations manager and agent with Florida Assures. Adams joins me as we look into the future of protecting our property in hurricane prone places. Welcome, Adam. Thank you, Brent. Thank you for having me. So how enormous is the insurance damage based on estimates right now? Uh, hurricane Ian may have caused as much as $47 billion in insurance losses, according to the latest estimate which could make it the most expensive storm in the state's history. Uh, CoreLogic, a research firm that estimates losses from national disasters, released the estimates for damages as of Thursday evening. The estimates combine insurance losses through private insurances, which typically cover wind damage and FEMA's national flood insurance program that covers water damage. The estimates from CoreLogic range from 22 billion to 32 billion for wind damage and additional 6 billion to 15 billion in flood damage. So in total, the low end of the combined estimates would be 28 billion, just above the 26.5 billion losses by Hurricane Andrew back in 1992. On an inflation adjusted basis, Ian would be the state's second most expensive storm. Just amazing. Uh, what a, a catastrophe and now, of course, with the fallout of that, how are insurance companies going to be going about handling those claims? Uh, will it take a lot longer due to the destruction? Oh, absolutely. It's going to take a lot longer uh, because of the, the devastation. Most carriers are currently operating already for new business, but they're doing their best to assign claim adjusters to adjust the losses. It could be a long and tedious process. Please uh, be patient. I mean, if you're one of the ones affected by the damages, allow your local insurance agent to help with filing your claim. And technology really is your friend. A lot of carriers, if not most carriers, uh, including flood servicing companies, have online customer portals. It is 
of the utmost importance when securing your insurance policy to create an account online with prospective carrier. So Adam, will the claims impact, say, the state-backed in a citizen's insurance? Citizens operate three different accounts, uh, the coastal, personal lines, and commercial lines, which are financially independent of one another and have separate claims paying resources and capacities. In personal lines accounts, which is the homeowners, which is uh, mainly the ones that were affected with uh, Hurricane Ian, Citizens allocates approximately 83% of every premium dollar to pay claims, with approximately 15% reserves for paying hurricane claims. A particularly devastating storm or a series of smaller storms throughout the year could exhaust these reserves, leaving citizens without enough money to pay all the claims. If this does happen, Florida law requires citizens to charge assessments until any deficits are eliminated. And a lot of citizens' customers, Brent, they, they don't know this, and it could be a shock. I'll give you a quick example. Um, assessments are charged in three different tiers, beginning with citizens' policyholder surcharge. Each additional tier charged is only if the level before is insufficient to eliminate citizens' deficit. Citizens' policies could be surcharged up to 45% of the premium. And if you're with a private insurance company, a non-citizens Florida-based carrier, the maximum that they can surcharge you is 2%. That's a pretty big difference. So Adam, a lot of companies backed out of Florida prior to Ian, before it was even born, before the season actually began, did they have some kind of crystal ball knowing that something like this might happen? <laughs> that's, that's actually funny that you say that, but no, in many cases, insurance fraud got the better of the carriers. We are currently seeing the sixth carrier facing receivership right now. This is where the insurance carrier simply doesn't have the capital to pay his obligation if a future catastrophe were to occur. Uh, the fraud has been taking place for way too long and more has to be done to control it. So if that's the case, as we sort of uh, think about all these people, more and more people living near the coast, and a lot of these places, from what I understand, are not gonna be, many will be rebuilt, but a lot of them probably won't be rebuilt. Uh, what about, the future of living near the coast, is that gonna to have to change? Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. It's, it's a tough conversation to have is where the government, um, if people have too many claims, uh, flood losses, that they just might have to buy them out and turn these, the, the actual area into green space. And maybe if you even look at Louisiana and the tremendous flooding and the hurricane events over the recent years, could make anyone reconsider living in a hurricane or a flood prone area. You know, there's a lot of climate change going on right now with warmer waters. It's always going to be a concern, but many might see it as the cost of living in paradise. So it's going to be super challenging moving forward. So Adam, as a, an insurance guy, could there ever be a time in which insurance companies just decide it's, it's just not feasible. We're just going to flee Florida. If you look at history, um, there's always carriers that are willing to dabble in the state of Florida. It's just uh, the cost of reinsurance right now is just becoming astronomical and carriers have to buy reinsurance. So the cost is passed on to the policyholder. So I believe that there's always going to be markets available. They're just going to have to tweak what uh, coverages they're willing to do or change their internal guidelines of what they're willing to accept. You just have to have the right risk to be able to fit in. So Adam, in the seven weather office, we're always monitoring tropical activity during hurricanes, even, even outside of hurricane season. 
Can you give us an idea when it becomes important for insurance? Is it once a tropical storm forms or at what point is the cutoff for getting some kind of an insurance policy? So there's two parts to this question. Once the flags, we call it the flag. So once the flags go up, the insurance companies will not make any changes to any existing insurance policies or issue any new coverage. Uh, usually by the time you realize that your immediate area is going to be affected by the storm, it is too late and the flags already are up. If you call your insurance agent before the flags go up, and let's say you want to lower your hurricane deductible, uh, I have some bad news for everybody. This can only typically be done at renewal of your insurance policy. So this is why it's really, really important when you're buying your coverage, you buy it with the right coverage at the first time, because when the storm is barreling towards your uh, area, it's going to be too late to make any changes like lowering your deductible. Sure. That makes sense, right? Because yeah. otherwise everybody would be upgrading at the uh, in initiation of a, of a new system. Absolutely. And then if you don't have any prior insurance, so if you own the property for more than 30 to 45 days, you're more than likely will not be able to purchase insurance because new policies have a 30 day waiting period. They don't want people to not buy insurance and then decide on the last day at the last hour at the last minute, it's time to buy an insurance policy. Adam, is there anything else you want people to know, especially as we start thinking about the after Ian aspect of this and going into the 2023 season, even though this one, the 2022 season is not over, what uh, can we fear perhaps a skyrocketing insurance cost? Yeah, unfortunately, um, with six local Florida insurers that have declared insolvency so far in 22, this is before Ian, um, and also many more on the watch list, it's, it's definitely um, most likely we will push a few more carries out of business. It's just simple economics with supply and demand of finding and carry to right the risk. Uh, cost will be going up and it's already out of control. Just the other day, I got word of a private carrier, Brent, that um, decided about two months ago that they were going to come in starting October 1st to write 10,000 new homeowners policies. And that was great because we were, you know, we had an opportunity to write uh, insurance with a carrier that has been on, you know, suspense for a while. Um, just just on 10-1, October 1st, they changed, they changed their plans and they decided mm -hmm. to hold off and they're not going to be reopening. The homeowners insurance market we have to worry about right now it's it's just not good it's it's also the flood insurance currently the nfip is billions of dollars in debt so it's it's again it's not just the homeowners it's also flood insurance and then in recent years private insurance carriers started dabbling in writing flood insurance this created better coverage and more affordable options for homeowners to buy flood insurance and unfortunately, Hurricane Ian might have a negative impact on the future of these private flood markets in coastal communities. It just means that uh, the homeowner is going to have less options regarding the purchasing of flood insurance, and it's also going to create higher premiums. All right. It's not something we want to hear, but on the other hand, even and it's something we don't want to have to pay for, but on the other hand, I guess we are fortunate that we can get insurance and uh, that those companies uh, are some of those are still staying within the state. All right, so we, lots of questions on such an important topic. And joining us today, Adam Spiegel, operations manager and agent with Florida Assures. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Adam. Thank you, Brent. Thank you for having me. Whether or not, we'll be right back.
When the tropics heat up, you can stay cool. Because the chief works right here. Seven's chief meteorologist, Phil Farrow. He's been doing this for nearly 30 years. As soon as we get information, we bring it to you instantly. Wilma, Katrina, Irma, he guided us safely through them all. That guy never sleeps, but that's so you can sleep easier. A few months ago, history was made when the first African-American woman made a trip to one of the world's deepest spots in the Pacific Ocean. I'll have a one-on-one -on -one interview when our next Weather or Not podcast drops October 11th. Thank you for joining us. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, please send us an email at wxpodcast at wsvn.com. This podcast is produced by the 7 Weather Team. Original music by Chris Crane, with technical support by Stephen Sejas. Thank you for listening to Weather or Not.